Is anybody grateful for the gift of worship? Man, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be too upset if we kept worshiping. But God's word is important. Amen? It is good. It is vital. It's a source for us. And so I'm excited this morning. I'm Pastor Zach. If you don't know who I am, that is who I am. I have the honor and privilege of being a part of Oasis Church Chicago. It is a true blessing. Uh, you met Pastor JP. He is our senior pastor. Him and his wife, Rachel, pastor us. They lead us. And so can you give them a round of applause? Because they are incredible. You guys have no idea what they do day in and day out to see this church grow, but more than anything, to see the name of Jesus go forth in the city of Chicago. And so we are grateful to them. Is anyone ready to hear from the Word of God? I am. I pray that this speaks to you this morning. We are going to continue in the book of Philippians. It is written by the Apostle Paul, and last week, Pastor JP, he shared on joy in the journey, joy in the journey, and it was powerful. It's challenging because we always want the, the quick fix, right? We want to get to the top, but that's not what we're called to do. That's not who we are created to be, and so I kind of want to continue on this idea of, of a journey, and it's a, an idea that when we hear it, it sounds nice, but it doesn't exactly compute for the world we live in. It's this idea of contentment. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's a, it's a word that you've probably heard a lot because people usually say, oh, I'll be content when I get to this point, right? It's always a final destination. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge us this morning that contentment isn't a final destination, but it's a daily walk. And so we're going to jump right in. Paul is a champion of the faith. He truly is. He is one of the founding fathers of Christianity, of what we're doing here. He went all over the world preaching the gospel, sharing the truth of who Jesus is, and he went through some stuff. Let me just say that. It wasn't all, you know, butterflies and candy canes. It was tough. He had to endure, but he was faithful till the end. And so he wrote letter after letter to the churches that he started. And this one is super special to him because it was one of the first churches that he planted. And this church actually was doing a pretty good job. Most of the letters, they weren't doing so hot. But this church, they were doing a great job. They were faithful. They were generous. And they were going out and sharing the gospel. And so he writes this letter out of love, out of being proud of them. And so he writes this passage, and it's, it's challenging because we don't really like to hear it. We like part of it. We like the last verse, and we'll, we'll get into it, but we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10. If you have your Bibles, we'll be starting in verse 10. If not, it will be up on the gigantic screen behind my head. But this is, this is how it starts. It says, how I praise the Lord that you are, are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. 
Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Will you pray with me this morning? Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that we have your word to go to for wisdom, for understanding, for hope and insight into what you've called us to do, who you've created us to be. God, I pray that you would pour out your spirit. Speak through me, God. Empty any idea, any thought that I might have, God. Let your words go forth. Let your truth go forth. Pierce hearts this morning. We love you and we thank you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you look at your neighbor and say, contentment. Contentment. So we are, we are in a, a, this amazing season of Christmas. Does anybody love Christmas? I know I love Christmas. It's great. You have an excuse to be overjoyful and obnoxious and sing Christmas songs everywhere that you go. And people who don't like Christmas are just Scrooges, right? Well, in this season, we have a perfect opportunity to understand this idea of contentment. There's a lot of giving and receiving and generosity. Well, this is something that my brother and I have gotten to experience every Christmas. My mom's love language is gift giving. It is. She loves to give gifts. If you're wondering, you can look at my texts and see that she's asked me what I want for Christmas 87 times in the last four days. I'm not kidding. And every single year, we would always get our gifts and it would be awesome, but my brother, he would have some trouble sometimes. He would come to a point where he didn't get what he wanted, whether it was one thing or a couple things, there was always a point. He was, he was a little selfish, if I'm being honest. And he knows he's had a heart-to-heart with the Lord. He's good now. He's good. But that was without fail every single year. And every single year, he would ask the question, why did you get me socks? He would. Socks are important, especially in the city of Chicago. Come on. Warm feet. Praise the Lord. Anyway, I, on the other hand, for the most part, was pretty happy with what I got sometimes. You know, I, I felt good about it because I saw in, in the long run, I don't need any of this stuff, right? It's just great. It's, it's a blessing, right? Up until my 23rd Christmas. I'm 24, so if you're wondering, this was last Christmas. I asked for one thing. If you're wondering what it is, it is the entire series of Star Wars. I love Star Wars. I wanted the entire DVD set, one through seven. That's all I asked for. I got a Darth Vader mug. I got some Star Wars socks. I got a Star Wars shirt, but I didn't get the DVD set. And so I was ungrateful. Of all the years, I was 23, I'm an adult. And I was ungrateful 
because I didn't get that. And my brother, on the other hand, was totally fine. I don't know how that works. But you know what? I feel like all too often we get into that, that mindset, not just at Christmas, but every day, every single day, because our contentment, it's based on what we have, what we get, the friends that we have, the situation we're in. That's what it's based on rather than whose we are because we are God's children. And so that should be the only thing that we ever need to worry about, if we are a child of God or not. And so this morning, I, I'm not an emotional person. You've, you've probably talked to me before, and you know that I'm pretty harsh sometimes. I don't cry like you, if you're one, like I literally don't cry ever. But I was just taken back this morning singing, I am a child of God. Just for a moment, just for a second, think about that. We are children of God. Nothing that we can do can separate us from that. We are children of God. And so I could stop right now because I'm content in that. Amen? I mean, there's nothing that's better than that. But I got some other stuff for you this morning. So Paul, he, he writes this, and he says, whether I have everything or I have nothing, whether I have food or I'm hungry, I will be content because I know I'm a child of God. He says, I know that Jesus is all that I need. And you could say, well, Paul was this great, just faithful man of God. He went out, and he was just always built up, and he was ready for anything. This dude wrote this while shackled to a wall. He was in prison. We've talked about it every single week. He is in prison, and yet he says, I am content. I mean, I don't, I don't know where you're at with that, but if I was shackled to that wall right now, I would not be saying, I am content. I would be saying, give me the keys because I'm done with this stuff. This is not okay. I didn't do anything wrong. Because Paul didn't do anything wrong except share the gospel. That's all he was doing. He looked at his situation. He said, this doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, there's only one thing that matters. It's the fact that I am God's chosen to go forth, to preach the gospel, to love on people. And if I can't do it because I'm shackled to a wall, then I'm going to do it by writing this with pen and paper. I'm going to find whatever avenue I can to share the love of Jesus. Because he came to the resolve that his contentment was not based on his circumstance. It was based on his Savior. It was based on who he was worshiping. Could you imagine if we as the church, we as the body of Christ, we stopped looking at all of the, the garbage around us, all the negativity around us, and we started looking at the fact that Jesus is the king, Jesus is on the throne, and we can rest in that, and we can go out in confidence knowing that he is all that we need. And so I got to be honest with you, because... I feel like Pastor JP has pretty clearly made this a counseling session for, like, you guys counseling whoever's speaking. He's done that. It's okay. It's great. 
but we want to be honest with you. And i got to be honest with you. I asked Pastor JP if I could share on this topic. Because up until two months ago, I was the most non-content person that you've ever met in your life. I was upset about the job that I had. I felt like I was financially handcuffed when I was super blessed anyway. I had a job. Come on, what's wrong with me? I wasn't building relationships the way that I should have been. And we had a heart-to-heart where they basically looked at me and they said, it's up to you. You can decide whether you're going to take where you're at and champion it and go forth and be a good steward or you could just wallow in your sorrow. It's up to you. You have to decide. And, you know, I would like to say that I, you know, decided that I was going to stand firm and be content and everything's perfect now. I would love to say that, but that's not true, right? Because the world that we live in is not okay, right? It's not easy to live in the world that we're in, but praise God that he gives us the strength to do it, right? We have the opportunity to look to him for everything that we need to be able to go forth. So we get to make the conscious decision, okay, am I going to live confidently knowing that Jesus is enough, or am I going to look at all the stuff around me and say, ah, that's what's going to base how joyful I am. That's what's going to base where my peace comes from. That's not how it works. Because you know what? The enemy, he does whatever he can to kick us while we're down. It's in those times, those moments of weakness where we're struggling, where we're anxious, when we're full of doubt, that we don't trust in our Heavenly Father for strength, that's when he comes after us. Because he knows he can't touch us when we're on the mountain, but it's when we're in the valley that he comes after us. And that's when so many people, all too often, they make decisions that are detrimental to their faith, to their family, and to their future. They, they make a decision that could change everything because they're in weakness instead of trusting in the strength of God. But you know what? I can, I can say this with confidence. The life that we, we have, the life that we're going to live, because you know, by the grace of God, we will have a tomorrow. I can say confidently that it's not going to be perfect. But standing in the confidence of Jesus, saying that he is enough, saying he is all that I need, all the stuff, all the garbage that the world, that the enemy throws at us, it's going to be easier to get through. It's going to be easier to overcome. Because in all reality, Jesus is not just our Savior, but he's our stepping stool. And that's, that should just show you how incredible the grace of Jesus is. Because, yes, he holds us up, but he also helps us get over So he's willing to get on his hands and knees so that we can step on his back to get over that situation, to get over that circumstance. When we get to that place, you are coming to a point where you look at your situation and you are trusting that no fear, no doubt, no anxiety, no hurt is going to hold you down because Jesus has set you free from that stuff. He has come into your heart. He's come into your life. He's wrapped his arms around you, and he said, you're mine. You're mine. You don't have to look at that stuff anymore. Just look at me. 
just look at me because I am enough. So those thoughts of fear, those thoughts of doubt, they turn into hope. They turn into joy. They turn into excitement. Because when you look at the situation in front of you and it says, oh, this is going to be tough. This is going to be difficult. You can say, you know what? This is a great opportunity for God to mold me and shape me into who he's created me to be so that I can stand firm and walk through it joyfully because he is going to walk with me every step of the way. Every step of the way. And it's not just to get you to tomorrow, not to get you to the future. It's great when people say, you know what, this is just a season to get you to where God is taking you. That's, that's great. That's biblical. But you know what? I feel like sometimes the season that we're in is to strengthen us for the season that we're in. It's for our today. It's for our right now. So instead of looking in the mirror and saying, oh, this is just a season, I'll get to the next point. I'll get to the next point. Walk joyfully. Stand confident in the season you're in, knowing that that season could be the difference for the person next to you. That season could be the reason somebody is able to get through their difficult season. Paul uses a, a word, and it's actually funny because this word is not actually used. We just created it because the Greek didn't, like, translate well. He creates this word content, and it's translated self-sufficient. That's super ironic because back in the day, the, uh, I don't know if you've heard this, this word, these people, they were the Stoics. Has anybody heard of the Stoics before? Okay. Great. Three people. Praise God. Stoics basically thought that they could do everything on their own. They thought that they were self-sufficient, right? They didn't need anyone. They didn't need anything. So they felt like they could live without food, live without water. They were miserable all the time, right? That, it's true. That's how they were. And so people can read this and be like, oh, so Paul, he's a stoic because he didn't need anything. No, 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 no. That's, that's not how it works. Because, yes, he says, I don't need anything. That's true. He does say that. It's, it's in the Bible. I read it just a little bit ago. He said that. But there's a big but in there, right? Because he says, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. So it's not self-sufficiency at all. It's Christ-sufficiency. He says, Jesus is all I need. He's going to help me through every season. So I don't need anything. If I'm hungry, he's going to be with me. If I'm well-fed, he's going to be with me. When I'm on the mountain, he's going to be with me. When I'm in the valley, he's going to be with me. That's what he's saying. He's saying Jesus is faithful in every season. And so the main truth this morning is contentment is not an emotion. It's a lifestyle. It's a choice. It's a reminder that Jesus is our only source of life. Knowing that what he did and who he is is all that we need every single day. Emotions just dictate so much of our life. It's exhausting. Truly. Everything is dictated by our emotions today. People can say, oh, you're an emotional church. Yes, but 
when you understand the grace of God, you're going to get emotional about it. But emotions dictate our lives in the wrong way, right? In bad situations. The, our, my emotions got the best of me, right? People say that a lot. What does that even mean? Like, what? So you lost all control because you're of, of your emotions? Let's, let's gain some self-control. Back on track. When we're able to get to a point where we look at Jesus as the indicator of our emotions, I'm pretty sure we're going to be pretty even keeled. We're going to stand firm in Jesus because he's so consistent in who he is. Then he creates us into who we are supposed to be. He changes us. He molds us so that we turn into the perfect children of God. That's who we're called to be. We're called to be perfect. I don't know if you know that. It's a journey. Praise God that it's a journey. Because if it wasn't, I'm in trouble. Because I'm not there. But the more that we are with him, the more we are like him. Paul says that contentment, it transcends circumstance. It goes past it. It thwarts it. It pushes it to the side. Because contentment is a daily walk. It, something gets thrown at you, doesn't matter. I'm content in who I am. I'm confident that I am Jesus's. That's it. Right there, when you stand firm in that. And we live in a, a fallen world. I don't know if you know that. We do. And so there are going to be good times, and there are going to be bad times. If you didn't know that, surprise, there's a word of wisdom for you. You're going to go through some stuff. I hate to break it to you, but that's just the way that it is because we make mistakes. We mess up. Things don't go our way. But praise God that Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, is and always will be enough. When we stand firm on that, knowing that he is enough, then our situation isn't going to dictate how we wake up in the morning. We're not going to look at what happened the night before or the week before, and it's going to change the way that we treat people, change the way that we think about ourselves. No, that stuff doesn't matter because Jesus looks at us and he says, you're my child. You're my creation. You are beautiful. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You can be content in me. That's what Jesus says. So I have three points this morning. And we're going to continue with our worship. We have communion this morning. One of my favorite things in all the world to do because of how incredible it is. But the first point this morning is this. Are you encouraged this morning? Good. Because if not, I probably would have left. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Number one, contentment is not controlled by your circumstance. It is revealed in your creator. Not by your creator. In your creator. In your creator. And so I truly believe this. I truly believe that this only takes place when you're spending time in God's presence. Because whether you want to believe it or not, if you just show up to church for your boop, check off the list, and then think that you can do whatever you want and not make Jesus a priority, you're mistaken. Because contentment isn't in the cards. Really, it's not. Because Jesus and contentment 
They're intertwined. They go hand in hand. It's impossible to have one without the other. It's impossible. And I would say this. I want to be careful how I say this because I don't want you to, you know, freak out. I would say that your time with Jesus Monday through Saturday is just as important, if not more important, than the time that you spend with him here. Because the fact of the matter is, you can very easily put on a face when you walk through that door. But you can't put on a face when you're one-on-one with the King of Kings, with your creator. Because he knows your heart, he knows your hurt, he knows exactly what you're going through. And the best part about all of that is he just wants to spend time with you. He just wants to be with you, to be near to you. And we can't do that when for an hour and 20 minutes on a Sunday is the only time that we spend in his presence. It's impossible. There's nothing more incredible than knowing that we have a heavenly father who wants to be with us through every season. There's nothing greater because he looks at every season and he sees all the seasons that you're, all, you're gonna go through throughout your whole life. What? That's crazy, right? But he does. And he says, I'm gonna be with you there. 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 And it's up to us to decide if we want him to be there too. We have to make the decision. So we have to seek him. We have to spend time with him. And whether you know it or not, people who are spending time in God's presence, people who are seeking Jesus, they can tell when we're not. Oh, that's crazy, right? That doesn't mean that they're judging us. No, because if they're spending more time in the presence of God, that means they just want to love you more. But it's it's very evident. I know it, especially in my own life. If I'm not seeking God, if I'm not spending time with my Savior, it affects my face, it affects my words, it affects how I treat people, it affects everything that I do. Because the less time I spend in God's presence, the less content I am. That's true all the time. Contentment is revealed in Jesus because of this very important point. Jesus never changes. He never changes. He's never failing. He doesn't forget about us. He doesn't change the the significance of who we are to him. It's always the same. And so we have to remind ourselves daily that he is always enough. He is always faithful to us. Man, waking up every day and just saying, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Man, if we did that and we meant it, could you imagine the way that your day would would go? The way that your day would change? It's powerful. See, when you come to the resolve that Jesus has already won, It's very important. See, Jesus is our Savior, but he's also our Lord and our King because he went to the cross and then he went to the grave and he stole back the the keys 
to hell, to death, to sin, and he said, you no longer have a hold on my children. You can't touch them any longer. And so we can stand victoriously knowing that he has won. He has the victory. And so we can be content in the fact that he has done it. He has done it all. We don't have to put on a show. We don't have to do a certain amount of stuff. His grace is enough. His grace is sufficient. And nothing that this life throws at us will keep us down. It might knock us down. It, it's true. We're going to fall. We're going to fall short because we're, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. But his grace is sufficient. He is always there to pick us back up, to dust us off, to say, I love you, keep going. I love you, push on, push forward. You can do it. Because consistency comes in God's faithfulness. It is revealed in God's faithfulness to us. Number two is this. Jesus will always give you strength for every season that you're in. The most incredible part about being content is knowing that Jesus is with us. It's, that's it. <laughs> like, when we can come to the resolve and have the faith to know that Jesus is right beside us, nothing can shake us. Because Jesus' strength is never failing. It's nothing that can be compared to. No one can give reason to it. It is completely infathomable. Infathomable. It is. That's how incredible the strength and love that Jesus has for us is. And so this verse, <laughs> Philippians 4.13, everybody knows it. Even the non-Christian people know it, right? Everybody in the world knows it because Tim Tebow had it on his eye, right? He had it on his face. Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's incredible. That's amazing. But people kind of take that out of context. They get it tattooed on their bicep, right? So, like, they're immediately stronger. I don't know what that means. But it's, it's, it's true that we can do everything through Christ who gives us strength. But it's in God's will that we do that. It's not, oh, so... You're saying that if I have a dream to do something, I'm going to be able to do it because Jesus is going to give me the strength? Maybe, but not necessarily because our dreams, they don't always go hand in hand with the will of God. The will of God is perfect. It's perfect. And so he's going to put dreams on our heart and we're going to chase after them. And he's going to give us the strength that we need. But Paul is not talking about dreams in this situation. He's talking about your circumstance. He's talking about what you're going through, where you're at in life. Mm. Thank you, Brennan. It's true. He's talking about the difficult times and the good times. He's saying that Jesus is going to give you the strength to stay, stay humble on the mountain, and he's going to give you the strength to have courage in the valley. It's not about saying, oh, you know what? Because Jesus gives me the strength, I'm going to go do whatever I want. No, no, no. Not at all. It's saying Jesus is going to give me the strength to push forward, to carry on, to trust in his plan for my life, to trust that where I'm at is where I'm supposed to be. 
And praise God that I'm going to go through this season. I'm going to push forward. I'm going to be content in it. And then I'm going to get to the next season. And he's going to continue to give me the strength. He's going to continue to help me to push forward, to grow, to grow closer to him. Jesus is always enough. Paul comes to this conviction and he writes this because he, he realizes, he understands that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. All three of them, not one or the other. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He was first and he's going to be last. He's the beginning and the end. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We can stand confidently in that. And because Paul knew that, he was going to do whatever he could to go to the ends of the earth to share that with people. He's all-sufficient, all-powerful, full of grace and truth. Man, if we put on the veil of the understanding that Jesus is full of grace and truth, and we look through that, even the most difficult situations, we can find hope in it. We can look at those difficult situations with our friends who are going through some stuff, and we can say, you know what? God is going to be glorified in that. God is going to bring healing and restoration in that. It might not look like it now, but he is faithful until the end. Just like that song says, faithful forever you will be. Forever. I don't know if you know what forever means, but it means forever. There's, there's not an end to it. That's how faithful God is. We can fall short in faithfulness every single day. But praise God that he will never fall short in faithfulness to us. And the third point is this. Stand confidently in your contentment. God will create new passions and desires inside of you. It's really easy to get this idea of contentment confused with laziness. It is. Because you can think, oh, I'm content. I'm just going to, you know, do my thing, do the bare minimum, and I'll be good. I'll be set. That's all I need. No, that's not what this contentment is, is at all. Because when we are truly content in who we are in Jesus, then the passions and the desires in our hearts are going to continue to overflow. They're going to continue to be built up, and we're going to chase after them. Being content doesn't mean you settle. That's not what that means at all. Being content just means that wherever I'm at, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be constant. I'm going to be consistent because Jesus is all that I need. And so no matter what happens, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to continue to push forward. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to settle. I'm just going to keep moving forward. And of all people, Paul, he could have said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm good. I'm content where I'm at. Right? He could have because Paul, he went all over the world planting churches. The things that he did will probably never be compared to by other Christians because of how incredible his drive, his courage, his faith was. I mean, he wrote most of the New Testament, if you didn't know. Most of it. He is incredible. He was 
a man after God's own heart. He truly was. And he could have said, I've done enough. I've been in prison enough. I've been beaten to death enough. I've, you know, been put in jail and left for dead. I've been starving enough. Uh, people have tried to kill me enough. I'm, I'm good. I'm content. I've done enough. But no, he said, as long as I have breath in my lungs, I'm going to continue to go to the ends of the earth to preach the gospel, to make sure that every person I come in contact with will know the name of Jesus, will hear the name of Jesus, will encounter the love of Jesus. See, when we're content, that becomes our number one desire. That becomes our drive. That becomes our passion. And everything else will fall into place. Because when you're living in the will of God, there is nothing that compares. Nothing. So Jesus is always enough. Live victoriously in that. Stand confident. So when you wake up every morning, don't say, ah, it's another day. Say, thank God it's another day. I get to stand confident. I get to go into my workplace. I get to go into my classes. I get to do whatever I'm supposed to do in joy, in hope, in life, because I can be an example to my coworker. I can be an example to my friends. And I can say, no matter what this world throws at me, no matter what hardships or trials or pain come, Jesus is enough and all that I have and all that I am is his. Be content today. Push all of the, the garbage, the rubble to the side and trust that he is enough. Because I don't know about you, but I'm tired of looking at my circumstance and saying, I don't like this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need this. I just want to do something else. No, stand confident because God is faithful and he is going to pull you through it. He is going to stand with you because he is for you and not against you. So you are exactly where you're called to be right now. And so go, be bold, be content, knowing that the joy of the Lord is your strength and Jesus is always enough. So we're going to sing out. We're going to lift our voices because we can rest in his confidence. We can rest in his faithfulness, knowing that he loves us, that he's for us, that he's going to be with us, and nothing will ever compare to that. So Jesus, we worship you this morning. We thank you that you are faithful to us. You are so good. You are worthy of all honor, all glory, and all praise. In Jesus' name, we pray this. God, go before us, be behind us, stand firm with us so that we can be confident in who we are in you. So would you stand to your feet? Would you lift your voice as we worship the King of Kings?